So today we launch a new sermon series, Greater Than. We're looking at 1 Corinthians 12, and we will be for a number of weeks. We'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 12 as it relates to the body, as it relates to the very fact that we begin to understand that the sum of the parts is greater than anything we can imagine, that God has worked in such a way to bring about into the church the parts that he desires so that the church may send forth the glory of Christ. And that really is what we'll be talking about over a number of weeks, being able to see what that looks like from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, you'll want to turn there this morning. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you might use a phone or an iPad. If you don't have those, there's a Bible in a pew in front of you. And you are welcome to take that as your gift from us. But we'd love for you to have that, and we'd love for you to open God's Word with us today as we consider what He says to us as we talk about empowering the body. Empowering the body. What it means for us as the body of Christ. For us as believers, for us as a church, to be able to see all that God wants to do in and through the church, in our local community, and around the nations. Our vision statement, as you might recall, is to be able to transform neighborhoods, generations, and the nations through Jesus Christ. And we believe that the church is the function, the area that Christ has ordained in order to do that. And today, that's what we want to be able to focus on and begin launching our new series, Greater Than. As we do that, I want us to take a moment and pause and uh, pray for, uh, I'm sure you've seen the news of the shooting victims in El Paso, and then again last night in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, It's just heartbreaking that in our nation, we have those things that are happening around us. I would say they're happening around us because the church has not been the church we need to be in order to proclaim the gospel. And so it brings us to a place where we need to take greater responsibility in sharing who Christ is. Because uh, I would contend that the only thing that's going to change our nation and those around us is Christ and the Spirit of God inside people's lives. So would you just take a moment and bow your head and let's just pray for these families that have lost loved ones. Father, we come to you, Lord, brokenhearted as we watch the news or read about what happened over the last several hours, 36 hours or so, both in El Paso and then in Dayton. Lord, we don't understand it, and I'm sure there are families today who are Grieving in an incredible way, more than we can even know, because they don't understand it either. Yet, Father, we believe that you love people, and that you have sent Christ to redeem a broken world, that you sent Christ to restore a fallen people. And Lord, we just come today asking that somehow, some way, you will intersect the lives of people who are hurt and broken in this situation, and and they will see Christ in others' lives through this. Father, our prayer is that you would give great comfort and great peace to families, and uh, Lord, you would restore them in a way that only you could do. We thank you for your great love to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about what it means to have this understanding of greater than from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're talking about empowering the body, and if you have that passage, he tells us now about spiritual gifts, this is Paul writing, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. 
Verse 3, therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one who says Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So you can tell by those first couple of verses that the role of the Holy Spirit is vital inside this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. In those Two verses right there, he helps us to understand the Trinity also, the work of the Spirit, the work of Christ as Lord, and the work of God as Father. Verse 7, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, by the one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the Spirits, to another tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as he determines. Well, I read that kind of fast. You'll have to go back and read through that passage, and we'll pick up a little bit of it as we go along, because there's some incredible things that he tells us inside this. But really, the focus as he starts in chapter 12, as he's come out of chapter 11, which we'll go back to at the end of our service, but in, in that whole focus, he's really dealing with the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to look at one verse this morning out of that, which I believe out of these first few verses is really the key verse of these first several verses that Paul gives us. We don't have enough time to go through all of them, but we'll look at one key verse, I think, that pulls them together, and that is chapter 12, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, inside this, we're dealing about and with the Holy Spirit and the work and role of the Holy Spirit, and you'll be hearing that over the next several weeks. Because the Holy Spirit is the focus of what happens here. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers the body. We're talking about the church, the body of Christ. We understand that the Holy Spirit does that. Now, the Bible teaches us some things about the Holy Spirit, and this really is the introduction to what we want to say today. But one of the things that the Holy Spirit does for us, by the Holy Spirit, we are born again. The Bible teaches us in John chapter 3, He tells us that I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. And the word he used there is the word that we understand as the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to have salvation, if we're going to be born again, it comes by the work of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit also, and we find from God's word, puts to death evil deeds in your life. Now, that's important for us because we struggle with some of these things and we struggle with the evil deeds that come around us. But in chapter 8 of Romans, he begins to tell us about that. Matter of fact, he starts in verse 12 of chapter 8. He talks about these evil deeds, the, the unnatural, the spiritual, the sinful nature that we have. But he says in verse 15, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. So here in this verse, he tells us that what we're about is we are sons of God. We are children of God as we come under the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because we're born or not because we're created. Matter of fact, I've said that before and I continue saying it. Not all the world is children of God. Not every person who lives is a child of God. They're created by God. All people are created in God's image. But only those who are followers of Christ have the sonship that are in Christ. But the Holy Spirit does the work to bring that about. The Holy Spirit also, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, helps us to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us into holiness. 
Holiness is a part of our life that we are growing into. And he tells us in this passage that make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's in itself a very hard statement. He goes on to tell us that by the Holy Spirit, we gain the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom. And he's talking about not just a spirit wisdom, but the spirit, the Holy Spirit that brings wisdom into our life. I keep asking the Lord that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that what? You may know him better. So it has a purpose of having us to know him. So the Holy Spirit is so at work in our life. And we also see from Romans chapter 8, verse 11, that the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work to raise us from the dead. Now that's a great verse. You might want to take a minute to mark that verse. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Now, I give all that by way of introduction because the Holy Spirit is so powerful in our lives. And without the Holy Spirit living in us, without the work of the Holy Spirit doing a work about us, all these things would not be possible. Yet the Holy Spirit is for us, and the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Matter of fact, the Bible would teach us that the Holy Spirit lives in us. So when we begin to talk about the church and what the church does, that we can do a lot of things and we can live our lives in a lot of ways, but in reality, without the Holy Spirit, we're just doing stuff. Without the work of the Holy Spirit alive in you, you're just doing activities. That's true for the church. Without the church being able to say, God is working in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit inside our church and what our church is doing, we would just be doing church things, right? But the Bible clearly gives us directives that that, house not, that is not how God intended, that it was not the design for the body of Christ. Paul, writing to this church in Corinth, writing specifically to this local church that was going through some difficulty, some division, trying to live out a Christ worldview in a first century, as we try to live out a Christ worldview in the 21st century, the difficulties that go along with that. And Paul has given them and us the understanding of how we need to live out this body, what this body can look like, what is it about us. So how do we are able to have the power of the Spirit of God in us that we're able to go and do things that would not be natural were it not for God's Spirit in our lives. And that covers a host of things. That covers how we react to people, how we live out our lives, what the unbelieving world sees in you. Those are important things that the Holy Spirit drives to us. Well, let's get to this in verse 7, and let's deal with verse 7 a little bit as we look at this. Verse 7 he helps us by saying, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So if you have a Bible, you want to mark that, because that's a key passage that we need to know, that you need to know. It's a key passage for your life. Because he says again, what does it mean that each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, is given for the common good? The manifestation of the Spirit. We're going to walk through this verse just for a few moments. The first question in your listening guide today is, what does it mean to be an each one? Okay, 
What does it mean to be in each one? Well, if you look at the Bible, and I hope you have it in front of you, we're going to back up just a little bit, and we're going to look at verse 2 and 3. Because in verse 2 and 3, he tells us what the each one is. He doesn't leave us wondering who is this each one, right? He tells us in verse 2 and 3, he says, you know that when you were pagans. So he immediately identifies that each one is us who were without Christ. And that's what the word pagan means. It means those who were without Christ before your life, before you were transformed in Christ. So Paul's assumption is that he is writing to a group of believers whose lives has been transformed, whose lives have been changed by who Christ is. So he would say, uh, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray. Now, in this passage, we begin to say, all right, if we know who this each one is, he, he really is talking about us. He's talking about us who were led astray by the world that's around us, that he, he talks about here. He calls it mute idols. Anything that's not centered in the Spirit of God, Paul would say is a mute idol. It's something that's in your life that's pulling you away from Christ. Anything that's pulling you away from Christ pulling you away from the Spirit of God, is a mute idol in our lives. And Paul says that you were pagans, you were like that. But now Paul is teaching us that the each one is not like that anymore. The each one is the person who's been transformed. That's why he says in verse 7, now, now to each one. Because the each one has been a person who used to be, and that's the word that he used. Or you know that when you were pagans, were being in the past tense, you're not anymore. You are living as people who have the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's how we are living. And the church is the living organism that has the Holy Spirit. That's doing the work of the Holy Spirit. Now he tells us in this verse... Verse 3, therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. Now, if you hear someone who is cursing Jesus, your first assumption would be that person has not been transformed. That person has not had a changed life. Sometimes we make excuses for people. Oh, they have this problem or this problem or this problem. Paul says, no, if they curse Jesus, then they haven't had a transformed life. They're still living a pagan life. Right? So the each one has to be those who are living. He goes on here in verse 3 and says, And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And we know back in Matthew chapter 7, back in Matthew, Jesus said, There will be some who proclaim that I am Lord, and I will say to them, Depart from me that I never knew you. That's a hard verse for us. Here in this verse, the end of this verse, he says that the Holy Spirit is in us in such a way that we can't help to say, but Jesus is Lord. Now, what he's talking about here is not just what comes out of our mouth, right? Not just the fact that I can proclaim that Jesus is Lord, I can say things that Jesus is Lord, but what Paul is talking about here is a life that has been transformed by the work and power of the Holy Spirit that's living under the lordship of Jesus. Not just walking around saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I got to tell you a story yesterday. I, I know the lady's not in here because we were in Chattanooga for a wedding and we were at Chick-fil-A, which is Christian chicken you always go to whenever you can, right? So we were at Chick-fil-A and there was this lady that came in and boy, she was just 
giving the workers a really hard time. She had been in the line outside. She had waited for so long. She was doing whatever. She had to pull, was told to pull around. She gave them the whole story. And she was just mad. And she was, she was mad at them. She was mad at these little girls at the counter. She was just mad at them all. And then she turned around to leave. Jesus loves you on her shirt. Not kidding you. Not kidding you. That's what it said. Jesus loves you. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, I really almost went out and said to her, I, she would have probably been really mad at me. I, I left it alone. I didn't. But it was like, that's exactly what we're talking about, right? I mean, to be able to say Jesus is Lord, but how you act and how you live under the Lordship, that's what Paul's talking about. And a transformed life is a life that's living under the Lordship. Now, that didn't mean we're going to get it right all the time. That didn't mean we're not going to sin. It didn't mean we're not going to have problems. It didn't mean we're going to go through difficulties. All those things are true because we live in a broken, fallen, pagan world, right? That's the world in which we live. But that's not our lives. That's what Paul's saying. So the first question that we answer then, what does it mean to be in each one? It means those of us who are in the Holy Spirit, whose lives have been transformed, that are living under the Lordship of Jesus. Second, what is the reason for the manifestation? He says, now to each one, the manifestation. The word manifestation actually means to bring something to light. So if you're bringing something to light or showing something, what is it that we're showing? The Holy Spirit gives gifts to be manifested through the life of the church. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The work of the Holy Spirit is through manifesting. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is so it's happening through the life of the church. He gives manifestations that's going to teach us his word and the truth of his word. You can always look at the word of God because he has manifested the spirit of God has been able to bring light to the truth of God's word into our lives. That's why he gives us a spirit of wisdom so that we can have a spirit to discern, a spirit to understand, a spirit to flee evil when we see it, a, a spirit to get away from those things that are not of God. And that's what he's talking about, right? That's what he's trying to help us to understand, that inside this, this manifestation is going to shed light to the church. It's going to shed light on the gifts of the people in the church. It's going to shed light on the truths of God's word. It's always going to shed light on Jesus. I mean, that's part of what we're talking about. That's what he tells us, and we're going to hear more about that. The Holy Spirit is always going to manifest himself in order to lift up Jesus, because see, the Bible teaches us that it's when Jesus is lifted up that he draws people to himself. It doesn't, doesn't say that when the Holy Spirit's lifted up. The Holy Spirit uses and works in our life in order to lift up Jesus so that Jesus draws people to themselves. Now, as you travel with your family and friends and work and all the things that we do collectively, I guess part of that question is, how do we manifest Christ? How do you manifest Christ where you are in your work or school or wherever? How do you manifest Christ? School started last week, and now you're in new classes. You're with new people. There are people around you. How do you manifest the fact that Jesus is Lord? Students are here this week for Spartan Challenge, and they're hearing the gospel, and they're talking about that. How do you, how do you manifest that Jesus is Lord at the school in which God places you? How do you manifest that Jesus lords your life with a, the person sitting beside you in a science class or a history class? That's what, he, that's what he's really talking about here, that we're lifting up, we're, we're bringing to light. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. That's the third thing. What is, 
the role of the spirits. The word spirit in this word, as it does in some other places, means actually the breath of God. It's the, it's the breathing into us. It can be translated wind, can be translated breath. Here the translation has more to do with, with a breath that's inside us. So he's saying, now, now get this verse. So, and to each one, the manifestation of, of the spirit, the breath of God, who God is in our life, because we were pagan, but we're not anymore. We've been transformed. We're living under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And he tells us that that's the way it is. Let's, let's look at this verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God. I said earlier that, that really this verse itself really pushes forward the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But he goes on to say, as you walk, walk through this in verse 8 and 9, to, to one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. And he walks all through that, and he helps us to understand that there is one and the same Spirit. There are not multiple spirits. There's one Spirit. And that Spirit is the breath of God in our lives as we are living under the Lordship of Christ so that we may manifest who he is. And then fourth, what is the impact of the common good? Now read verse 7 again if you would. How now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What is beneficial? And we're going to talk about this as I said as we go forward. But what, what he's talking about is what's beneficial for the body of Christ. What is beneficial for the church now, we know that the church then is made up of individuals, individual parts, right? That, that's, what he, that's what he's teaching us right here. Those individual parts that come up, those individual things that happen. And for inside that, he tells us this, this manifestation is to manifest himself so that God is going to get all the glory. Everything the church does through the people of the church has at its very purpose so that God is going to be glorified. When your life is transformed, when you become a follower of Christ, when you are living under the lordship of Christ, it has to do with glorifying God, lifting up God, who he is. Now, the other part of that is for the good of the body. That's what he talks about, the common good. That's what he's saying to us, that what happens in our lives should be beneficial for all of us. That's a huge challenge, right? I mean, we know that we all play different roles. We all have different parts. That we all, the Bible would teach us that very clearly. And that actually the Spirit, he tells us in this last verse down in verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Just as he determines. What has he determined for your life? What role does he have you playing? What purpose do you have in the body for the common good? Because our role is just that. It's to, it's to glorify God in all that we do. But at the same time, it's the common good of the body. And your role is vital to the common good here at Graceland. I believe. My, my church theology that I believe is that God brings people to the body for the purpose of the body for a time period in the body in order to help the body become who he wants us to be. 
how we reach our community through the body of Christ, how we live out Christ. That you're not here, and I really believe this, you're not here because one day you decided, hey, I want to go join Graceland Baptist Church. I don't believe that. I believe you're here because God has put you here for purpose. God has put you here for reason. It may be simply to encourage someone. It may be to, to teach a class. It may be to, to be a servant leader. Whatever it is, I don't even know that. But I believe God brings who he wants as he determines into the body so that the body then glorifies God and has at its heart the common good for its people. And through that, we manifest to an unbelieving world who Christ is, lift up his name through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he draws people to himself. Now, I think one of the great things about the body is Paul teaches us across the page in 1 Corinthians 11 that they came together to share in remembrance of who Christ is, and we're going to do that today. We're going to have just a moment where we partake of the Lord's Supper together because the unity of the body, which we'll hear more about next week, starts at the beginning place, and Paul had already talked about it in chapter 11. But he tells us in chapter 11, in order to have that transformation, in order to, to do that, we have to examine ourselves. Paul says, examine your life. Know where you are. Are you a follower of Christ? If not, a prayer of saying, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, let me be yours. Maybe you are a follower of Christ. Maybe you need to examine your life and say, Lord, I want to be more like you. How do I do that? What do I need to, what do I need to confess? What do I need to change? What do you need to change in me?